All right, welcome back to the Top 25 Voter Pod. Uh, Bryce Cherry here with John Werner, uh, who votes on the Top 25 Men's Poll. I vote on the Top 25 Women's Poll, hence the name of the podcast. John, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, but I'm wondering, did you steal one of my plaid shirts? <laughs> we do call you Johnny Plaid sometimes, and uh, yeah, uh, I I do have a few plaid shirts myself. So, all right, well, I like could, the look. You could consider this a tribute if you want. <laughs> okay, uh, John. So, uh, big happenings for the Baylor Bears as Jonathan. So, by the way. Uh, they were pronouncing his name a little bit differently on the broadcast. And I don't know if you saw my tweet. I did. Yeah. So apparently it's Jonathan Chamu Chachua. Okay. Uh, we've been calling him Chamu Chachua. Right. Uh, all these years. Uh, let's just call him Everyday John. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. But um, so everyday John returned to the court uh, last Saturday against Texas Tech. Of course, that got a, a rousing ovation from the fans there at the Farrell Center. What does his return, uh, unexpected as it might be, you know, mean for these Bears? Well, uh, just him being back really uplifts the team, the fans. I mean, pretty much any time he touched the ball Saturday. There's just a huge roar. And, you know, he's such a likable guy. And, uh, you know, his teammates call him the heart of the team. Even when he was out, you know, he was on the sideline, like mentoring guys and, you know, just helping other guys out. And uh, certainly his defense is going to help them. I think it already has. Uh, You know, he was the co-defensive player of the year last year in the Big 12. And that's even missing the last – month of the season. So, uh, yeah, his defense, uh, obviously, but man, he gives him another three point shooting (laughs) guy out there. I mean, he's hit four, uh, four out of five. I I didn't really see that coming, but, uh, clearly he's been working on that part of his game, (laughs) but yeah, he's just such a great story. And, uh, I really think he's going to, boost this team down the stretch. You know, one of the things that we talked about Baylor's missing ingredient a little bit earlier in the season was just kind of a tough guy, kind of a guy like Everyday John. And now they have that in the presence of Everyday John. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's it's uh, ginormous for the Bears. Um, you know, it's not like on a college team you can make a, a trade at the trade <laughs> deadline, you know, or whatever. Uh, you do that in the offseason. But uh, to get a player of his caliber and his experience back essentially in the middle of the year, um, yeah, it's a, it's a boost, no doubt. And um, I saw a tweet from a guy, um, I think he goes by Cyclone Larry, Uh <laughs> And he's just one of these guys that tweets a lot about the Big 12. And I think someone who I follow retweeted it because I'm not sure I follow Cyclone Larry. But um, (laughs) he said something to the effect of and he was retweeting himself from like a month or two ago and saying that if Baylor got JTT back, uh, 
that, you know, they were one of the championship contenders, you know, um, now they have him back and, uh, I don't, I'm not so sure this guy isn't wrong. I mean, I think it definitely amplifies their chances. Oh, no, no question about that. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's such a tight race. Um, Texas leads eight and three, you got four teams, a game behind them, uh, Baylor, K-State, Kansas, Iowa State. And, uh, you know, a week ago, we kind of went over this, and I didn't really like Baylor's chances a whole lot, but I think they're not bad now. I, I, I mean, uh, they've still got some really tough road games. They, they got a swing where they go to Kansas and K-State back-to-back. Uh, and they still have to go to Oklahoma State, which has turned around its season lately. Um, they're six and five in the Big 12. They're looking like a probable NCAA tournament team. Uh, but but yeah, I I uh, think they've got a pretty good shot. They've got Texas at home. They got Iowa State at home. So uh, I think uh, <laughs> they've got about as good a shot as anybody now. Yeah, expand on that a little bit more. Obviously, like you said, it's a really jumbled race uh, with Texas and then right behind them, uh, Baylor, Kansas, K-State, Iowa State. Um, It's not easy to win a Big 12 championship. It's certainly not easy to win three in a row. Um, But with with Everyday John in the lineup now – and that three-point shooting prowess that he creates, <laughs> uh, man, maybe they'll just uh, recreate their whole offense, run it like a five-out, you know, like a lot of the – like Iowa State women or something. They basically have shooters at every position. But, um, you know, how do you see the race kind of shaking out? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, K-State, I think they still got a pretty good chance just looking at their schedule. Uh, their road games are, are at Tech, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. So those are all, you know, at least winnable games, I think. Um, let's see, Kansas, they've uh, – yeah, they've got a pretty favorable schedule too. They go to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Iowa State. Um, let's see, they've got they got to go to K-State, Texas, and Baylor. So that's – that's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty tough. And let's see what Texas has left on the road. They've got uh let's see, they've got Tech, Baylor, and TCU. So that's not as difficult as some schedules. Uh I don't know. I still kind of like K-State's chances. Uh Texas, since they still have a game lead, I think has a pretty good shot. But man, it's it's pretty wide open between those five teams. Yeah, it's a little bit of uh so they're in your uh home on your um little patio. You have <laughs> you have a dartboard. Right. And we've been known to fling a few darts uh when we come over to your house. I think that's the Big 12 championship race <laughs> right now. <laughs> you're just flinging an analogy, yeah. You're, you're flinging darts, man, because uh it's it's really tight and it's it's gonna come down to one or two, you know, really key games at the end, I think. So oh, yeah. Um yeah, should be fun for sure. So meanwhile, on the women's side, Baylor uh <laughs> on Tuesday night, 
uh, had a 12-point lead in the second half. They had a five-point lead with 24 seconds to go. <laughs> right. uh, there was one lead change in that game, John, against Oklahoma. Uh, one. One. <laughs> And yet they managed to lose that game uh, to the Sooners at home on uh, on Tuesday night, 98 to 92 in overtime. Just how does that happen? Um, you were watching it, uh, working the desk. I was obviously there. Um, and how big of a blow is this to Baylor as it tries to go for another Big 12 championship? Oh, to me, that was an almost impossible game to lose yet they lost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of turnovers at the end. And it looked like they just got a little rattled for some reason, even though they were playing at home. You know, they had a big lead. It was really weird that way that game slipped away. Now, obviously, OU has a really good offense. They can score and get on runs. But, man, that just should not have happened. And I think it's a huge blow for their Big 12 championship at t- chances. Yes, I agree. I think at the end of the year, they're going to look back and circle uh, February the uh, 7th uh, as the day that the Big 12 championship got away from them. I mean, I I, I don't know any other way to look at it. They're really going to have to make some hay now. I mean, because uh, they've got ground to make up. But um, how does it happen? Uh, like you said, it was it, it's almost inexplicable. It's I mean, I don't know, you know how uh, you're watching these football games and you see like the odds of winning of a team, like in live time, you know, oh, this, team <laughs> right. has, this team has a, you know, whatever percent chance of winning up 12 in the second half, up five with 24 seconds to go. I bet it was over 90%, you know? Yeah, sure. But uh, so OU scores on a layup and, you know, cuts it to three, but you still have the ball, but you throw away the ball. <laughs> and then they get the ball to the best shooter in NCAA history and in, in Taylor <laughs> Robertson, bam, three-pointer, tie game. Uh, uh, and then Baylor still had a shot at the last, uh, you know, shot in regulation. Uh, they got a really good look for Jamie Asbury. Jamie Asbury did not have a good shooting game, and uh, she has those kind of games where she is off. I mean, this is like I've said it all year, but this is a really streaky shooting team. Mm-hmm. But to me, it had a lot less to do with streak shooting or whatever. Baylor did enough offensively to win the game. You scored 92 points. Yeah. Uh, the problem was now you mentioned OU's offense and it is really, really good. And some of their um, half court sets where they just found someone cut into the goal for an easy two, they were really, really nicely executed plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, they are incredible offensively, but where I think people may not realize how good the Sooners are is as a turnover creating machine on defense because they're just really really aggressive okay and nikki collin knew that going into the game she talked about it before the first time (laughs) she she broke her finger uh before the first game with ou while she was trying to demonstrate just how (laughs) physical they were going to be uh and so uh, you know they knew 
they knew that was the MO of the Sooners, that they were going to scratch and claw and grab and everything. And meanwhile, uh, and I love Sarah Andrews. We've talked about her. She's the best guard in the Big 12. But how about if they are going to be scratching and clawing and grabbing, don't drive into the middle of three of them. You yeah. know, they right. were going right into the teeth of that defense yeah. and coughing up the ball. And uh, they had 21 turnovers. 17 of those came in the second half in overtime. Oof, I mean, you just can't That'll kill you. Yeah. yeah, that will kill you. So uh, a bad, bad loss for Baylor. They got to go to Oklahoma State on Saturday. Can they bounce back? We'll see. Um, OSU actually beat Baylor uh, in Waco earlier in the season. So, you know, um, it was that was a tough one because they did they did everything to win that game and somehow found a way to lose it. So, um, uh, meanwhile, on Sunday. We have a big game coming. <laughs> and obviously, we have the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. But in women's basketball, we have the Super Duper Bowl because we have number <laughs> one, South Carolina versus number three, LSU. And uh, both teams are undefeated. Um, should be a lot of fun. I mean, to just to get two undefeated teams going at each other this late in the season – uh, is always cool. How do you see this one kind of playing out? And what do you make about uh, Kim Lucky's <laughs> comments? She said about Don Staley this week, uh, I have absolutely zero conflict with Don Staley. What I have for her is respect. Uh, the conflict part, I think she might have been laying low a little on that because Kim pretty much has a conflict with everybody except maybe bill finley or maybe a couple other coaches well and i think even bill's probably gotten on her list a time or two yeah now that statement was in reference to i think in the near the end of last season don staley said you know nikki fargus the former lsu coach did a really good job of that program she just didn't have the support kim had you know since kim has come in the last two years and uh, I kind of wonder how Kim took that comment. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Probably not real well, uh, considering the success she's had there. Uh, but, yeah, as far as the game, um, I see South Carolina winning. They're playing at home. Uh, you know, they, they've been there. They've been a really great program for a long time. Um, but, yeah, it should be interesting. I, I, I think – and neither of those two schools has really played a very tough schedule, though. I mean, South, South Carolina infinitely more than LSU, though. Yeah, they did beat Stanford earlier this year. They beat UConn just this week, but beat UConn. Yeah, but but you look at the SEC; it's pretty much those two teams. That's and correct. It's not like the Big Twelve where you got tough teams up and down the board. But uh, yeah, it should be a great game, though. So. Uh, I also wonder how much Kim's comments might have been in rel uh, relation to the little verbal back and forth that Gino and Don got into mm. uh, this week. Um, so I don't know if you saw any of that, but um, UConn uh, did lose to South Carolina. 
Um, and then UConn turned around and uh, lost again, um, and it was their first two-game losing streak in, I don't know, a lot of years, which just, again, a testament to just how consistent the Huskies have been. They're clearly on the decline. <laughs> well, and here's the <laughs> funny thing. You know, we talk about uh, Baylor's struggles. We talk about, uh, you know, UConn losing two in a row. Well, UConn's not playing with Paige Beckers. Right. Uh, Baylor – would be a little bit of a different team with Asia Blackwell and Dre Edwards in there, two SEC, yeah. all SEC for, front court players. So, you know, to a certain extent, I think you got to cut these programs a little bit of slack. But uh, now, after the game, the UConn uh, South Carolina game, Gino talked about how physical South Carolina was. And he mentioned that one of their players, uh, had bruises all over her and um mm. and Don was not real happy with those comments and um hmm. just that bad. <laughs> took yeah, yeah took umbrage with it and um but one of the things I, I will say that's fun about Don Staley, Gino Oriema and um and Kim Mulkey is those three are not afraid to just say whatever the crap they want. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That makes things interesting. Oh, it does. They're colorful. Like, you know, I mean, Tara Vanderveer is probably more like uh, close to the vest, you know, and stuff. But uh-huh. those three are just going to say whatever they want. Um, and so, yeah, it should be fun. I tend to agree with you on um, the – uh, that South Carolina should win this game. Um, now, I think LSU is very good. I think Angel Reese, uh, again, I've mentioned her name on the podcast before, is an incredible player. She's a transfer that they have just turned into a double-double machine for them at LSU. Um, and LSU's riding high. But it's hard to know just how good they are because, as you said, the schedule that they've played this year is, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> right. they've played one top 25 team. They've played that team in conference play. That means they played bagel zero in non-conference. And so they might get exposed. We'll mm-hmm. see. Now yeah. they might have all their chips in on this game and give the best effort that they've got all season. And, um, can they give South Carolina a game? Yes. Can they beat South Carolina? Probably. But I, I'm with you. I think South Carolina playing at home with the experience they have, defending national champions, uh, maybe a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Um, yeah. I, um, one more thing, you know, we were talking about um, coaches saying stuff. Um, <laughs> I've got a little a little story for you. Um, so last week, uh, maybe last weekend, uh, I'm spilling the tea here. I'm not sure I'm supposed to do this, but, uh, I guess Chip Gaines had a little party for, uh, Scott Drew, uh-huh. uh, for 20 years at Baylor and all he's done and all this. And, and it was a, I guess a private event or whatever, but I mean, I think there was a fair amount of people there. And one of the things they did was they had um, a video with other coaches around the country 
um, sharing their uh, sentiment, you know, their their feelings about Scott, you know, nice little warm, fuzzy feelings. Um, and uh, I got uh, shared a video uh, privately <laughs> uh, <laughs> that uh, Gino Oriema sent for Scott. Oh, nice. Yeah. And the video starts off by saying um, he's sitting at his desk, you know, just like this. And he's he's like, uh, you know, I, I got this call and uh, it came from Waco, Texas. And I was like, oh, this can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so then he goes on to talk about how Scott, uh, you know, has done this amazing job in 20 years at Baylor and uh, he comes from a great basketball family and uh, talked about how he really watched Baylor's national championship run with, with great interest, you know, uh, a couple years ago. Um, but at the end he said, uh, but really Scott, your greatest achievement is last in 20 years with Kim Mulkey. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> yeah, you're so, uh, right about this. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, you know, it did not get. Uh, first of all, it did not get uh, put out on social media. <laughs> Apparently, even at the event, they cut off the end of that so that that part of it wasn't on there. So that any uh, Kim Mulkey you know, diehards out there wouldn't lose their minds, but um, <laughs> I think it's pretty freaking funny. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, like you said, those are coaches that speak their minds and they don't yeah. really care what people think. Right. And Gino yeah. wouldn't have said it if he knew, I mean, he knew it was going to get out there with the world of social media. Now it was going to get out there. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure I was supposed to spill the tea, but uh I saw that video and I had a pretty good laugh. So. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Scott Drew's greatest achievement. Uh, you know, <laughs> It'd definitely be right up there. Yeah, for sure. You know, put it on your resume, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back to chuckle some more again next week.